five, six, seven. Each day I'll do. Each day I'll do my very best. My very best. I'll listen to. I'll listen to the stretch podcast. The stretch podcast. Con el grillo. Hello. Good evening. Thank you so much for being here one more time. My name is and it will be and is still being Grillo Camacho. Today we are having a special invite that it will help us to find out what it means to be a dancer and what is dance specifically. I have to apologize for my English, it's not my first language and as you see I am way more uh, smarter in Spanish. Um, my friends Kaylee Thompson and Emma Whitla will help me today to figure out what it means to be a dancer. I hope so, this helps you as well, and well, let's just check it out. Hi girls, how are you? Good evening, thank you so much for being here, thank you so much for sharing your time. How are you? Very good, how are you? I'm fantastic, thank you so much. Emma, how are you? I'm good, I'm also good, glad to be here. Perfect. It, it looks like we have audio and we have everything. Thank you so much for being here, guys. So let's start with the simplest stuff, guys. Um, what is for you dance? Being dancers, of course, and being like inside of an industry, this concept is always uh, difficult to define. But like, what it means to be a dance? What is dance? Sorry. In general terms, what is like the first thing that comes on your mind? Um, do you want me to start? Yeah, of course, of course, right. go ahead. Okay. Um, okay, so it's movement. Um, I would say in a, in a pure form, you know, of course we can use the word dance as like a descriptor or like as an analogy. Oh, like the words danced on the page, but like in terms of, you know, just outright what is dance as we know it as dancers. Um, it's movement. Um, and I would say that it comes from an impetus of music. I, you know, I've thought a lot about this and I think that the difference between dance and movement stemmed from, you know, the addition of music. I think that if you take away that element of music, I don't think dance would have ever come along. I think movement still would have been here, um, but I don't think we would have known it as dance. And I think that that is very much at the root of it. And of course, nowadays, we definitely don't need music to dance. Um, But in terms of where it originated, uh, I think people reacted in a funny way when they heard drums and sound uh, that was rhythmic. And yeah, that's dance for me. I'm so glad you brought up music. Yeah, actually, I, I was uh, thinking, like, the dance requires music, it does require music. I mean, because I saw a couple of contemporary dances pieces that, like, just 
there and they're making their own rhythms they're making their own music so uh, let's check it out what do you think emma for me uh and especially the last year has solidified this definition my dance practice is all about my relationship to other people and i maybe in another life could be a solo dancer but that's not what it's about for me it's about um community and my favorite or the type of dance that i'm attracted to is dance that exists in community like folk dance but also like partner dance and also like you know whatever zumba or the type of community that exists in a technique class when you're um focused on a specific type of movement so that's what and dance for me also is related to music and my practice as a musician um and it's incredibly hard to separate the two so Dance and music and community are all intertwined for me. I I, I do agree. Um, if, if you allow me, I will uh, share with you a little short history that I, I wrote. It's about two little monkeys in the middle of the nothing. So when the time begins and the and the rain was everything, two little monkeys in the forest were sharing their time. One little monkey to the other says, "Yo yo yo, Jose Jose." I challenge you, bro. You have to clap your hands and you have to move your feet at the same rhythm of the dance. I'm telling you, bro, you can do it, you're dumb. And the other guy, as a good monkey, he reacts and says like, yo, I can do it, bro. I'm telling you I'm not dumb. I will show you, mate. And I don't know how I just like make it uh, English in that part. <laughs> But <laughs> uh, the monkey starts to clap. And I think so for me, that's... That when the dance really starts when the monkey that is watching the other monkey as a spectator decided to be part of the spectacle and decided to be uh, part of the dance right because uh, i mean yes you can move with music and rhythm in your house and you're not precisely doing dance right i mean you're dancing but not doing dance i think so for the system of dance as a uh, performative uh, show or uh, performative uh, object maybe and it has to be somebody watching us right a spectator you guys have heard okay. that that sometimes people say when you you know you're watching good dance if you want to if you want to be a part of it like if you're sitting there and you're like wow i want to be doing it mm -hmm. um I think that's the same impetus, the same instinct to dance with other people. Yeah, of course, because like at the beginning, I think so. Like, uh, well, before we have this conception of dance, like for me, it's still being like dance, and I think in ballet, right? So I think in uh, this conception of uh, studio dance forms, but we are taking away all the dances that exist before, right? Like the the dance when it was something more connected to the spirit instead of connected to the ability to dance no? or the ability to be amazing 
so uh, I don't know. I, I think so. They were were taking away that uh, that aspect of the dance the, uh, at the beginning of the timing when these two monkeys was uh, clapping and dancing in the in the rain. The dance it was a spiritual thing. It was to connect us with God, to connect us with the air. Right? We have dances to make the rain. We have dances to make yeah. So uh, we're having another conception of what it is to be dance. I am wondering what is the conception uh, at like today that we have of dance. Why we are dancing? Why we are making dance? First of first, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Western culture nowadays, basically, it's like if you're not a professional dancer, it's like you, you shouldn't dance because you'll probably make a fool of yourself like it's like there's dance has just been blown so blown up to a point of like yeah like such a spectacle and and so you know people pay to go and watch dance and everyone everyone can name i think every person in the in the world could name a professional dancer like it's right up there with music in terms of being on like a world stage so there's not this like no longer is there this yeah like community thing of like in its purest form like you mentioned like doing a rain dance or like just gathering around a fire and just like literally just moving to the beat of a drum from like a very like gut animalistic like instinct You know what I mean? It's like we'll do it in social settings. Like people will people will bop like at a party basically because they have to. But I think that as beings in general, we've a bit we've lost a bit of the um just like innate um binding like aspect of it. Like I know in my In my family, for example, it was like almost never a thing. Like it was never a thing that we did at family gatherings. Um, it was never a part of my like of my like social socialization. Um, in that regard, I learned dance in a very codified. From a very young age, dance was codified. Dance was like you go to this place to dance. You go to the dance school to dance. And of course, obviously, we would dance at home if music comes on, right? But like, there wasn't much of a community, family aspect of it for me. And I think that that's a lot. I think that happens a lot in Western culture. Um, and. I don't know. I don't know why that is. I'd, I'd be interested to, I don't know, try to like pull that apart a little bit more and I could, I could make my guesses as to why that is. Um, and it's definitely not like that everywhere in the world. Um, but yeah. 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 I, I totally agree. Like the, the, the family plays a really important, uh, play in how we dance and, uh, Dancers, right and I totally agree with you with the world uh, as if you are a normal individual that uh, like normal between uh, 
comillas. I don't know how it put that in English. As quote unquote normal. Quote unquote. Okay. Uh, yeah. Between that, because nobody's normal, right? But um, if you're not decided to become a dancer and put your effort to uh, become a professional dancer, you shouldn't dance, right? And like the society, well, now it's changing with the TikTok. I think so that the society is pushing more the, that barrier and saying like, okay, don't be afraid. You can dance and you can edit your videos. Yeah. You can show, and that's amazing because a lot of people there should be dancing. And a lot of people there should be moving. What yeah. do you think, Emma? I think the language that we use when we talk about these things is so important. Um, and even the language that is coming up now is reflective of what our culture thinks because in a certain way, like, like you said, you can name professional musicians. Probably somebody could, anybody in the world could name a professional musician and a professional dancer. And those are highly respected skills. But then is the assumption that people who aren't professionals can't or don't? And what is the difference there? Like there's a, a codification and almost a commodification of skill. Yeah, I would. I definitely wouldn't say that people who aren't there are many non-professional dancers who can dance really well, um, and whether they're trained or not, like you can, you can just see it in the way that a person moves at a party. Like some people just have like that natural like flair and talent and ear for music, and some people don't have that as much. I think that has to do with kind of like the wiring of your brain. Um, Yeah. But how many of those people would say, oh, like, I don't dance or I can't sing, you know? Well, I do still blame the, the ballet. Uh, the marketing of the ballet has to be, have a big influence on how we relate it with the dance. Because, well, first of all, before the ballet exists, everything was dance. Like, uh, the dance exists, right? The Mayas have their own dances and it was dance. And you can go to see dance and, oh, okay, it's dance. But the French say, yeah. like, oh, no, 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 mon ami, no, como ça va, como que va. No, no, no. <laughs> it's my dance. It's more, it's par moi. <laughs> so my dance and my <laughs> only dance is the, the one that is truth. Uh, I think so that's the, yeah. the principal line that, like, divides us between uh, why the people is, uh, don't allow themselves to dance. Specifically because of the ballet. Why the ballet? Because of the marketing. The marketing of the ballet have to have uh, have to be with the uh, bureaucracy, right? Because it's something that only the high position of people can do. Because it starts as a, mm -hmm. as a, as a dance of court, a dance of the court. Uh, court dances, yeah. yeah. Court dances, yeah. So I do believe that it's that, and how like well after how the the imperialism, the the colonialism uh, stands in the world. Well, we do. Well, they uh, repress a lot of way of dance. You know, a lot of way of dancing that are like normally for the people, like uh, Aboriginal people. They just repress it, and yeah, yeah, that's what happened. I mean, the codification of the language is there. You can see it pretty clear that like uh, African dancers are passing the way of dance generation to generation by vocal, right? 
I mean, they probably have to sit down and write it, like, okay, we are making a pate here, we are making a pate there, and like, it's possible to codificate every single uh, move, uh, way of movement right now. That's why I do believe mm-hmm. that uh, the, the limitation of the people to really try that, right? Yeah, I, um, you know, I think a lot about this, the codification aspect of things, because people will, people will talk about, oh, like, what's the name of that step? Yeah. And, and (laughs) my response is, and like, kind of has always been, though I've, I've, you know, um, caved under the pressure as like a, as an educator, as a teacher to name steps and to and to pass on like terminology because overall the the consensus is that is that that's important however i would argue that like when it comes down to it it's all a little bit bullshit because dance is not a verbal language right dance like dance we're we're not speaking to each other with our voices we're not using words like we're we're using our bodies and and you know why humans have this need to like name everything is such an interest like it's very interesting to me i've thought a lot about it a lot and like who the like who cares what the name of a step is like really who cares like (laughs) just do the step like it's this thing of the difference between thinking and doing or or talking and doing and I've like I have such an issue with it. Like someone's like, oh, like, oh you gotta know your you gotta know your names of your steps. It's like, no, like and and the old the more a, the more a dance form, the older a dance form gets, the more it becomes codified. And so we're starting to see with newer forms and things that we once knew, like we once referred to as street forms, so hip hop, house dance, like uh, black dances, essentially indigenous dances, as you mentioned, we're starting to see those dances become codified, which is interesting because those dances, when they started, were basically the exact like, as I, you know, view it, were the exact like rebellion of codified forms like ballet, you know, taking to the streets and just like turning the music up loud and like doing whatever you want and like going outside the lines but now they're moving towards these codified <laughs> systems and Super yeah it's just it's just interesting yeah and the way people respond to the questions about like what is this step called is really interesting because some people will be like oh it's called this and then other people have a more nuanced answer like you just gave and then some people be like oh well here which is where I learned it you know, and then they'll geographically locate themselves within the style. Mm-hmm. Which is a really great tradition, I think. Yeah, and like, you know, we can also say, and I don't discount the fact that it is important to have verbal language around um, the movement because, you know, take my ballet teacher from when I was 15 to age 18, um she was 85 <laughs> and she wasn't really moving much anymore yeah. so she 
she led the class verbally. Yeah, yeah. She didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, that's why I was thinking, like, I think too, one of the reasons specifically for uh, codificate dance is not for the dancer. It's for the choreographer and for the teacher who's teaching or who's yeah. choreographing there. So, uh, yeah, it's easier for them to produce. Uh, I'm just imagining myself in the times of Louis XIV, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm the choreographer of the course and Louis XIV is like super strict and he will kill me if I don't present them a ballet every single uh, week. And they have to be new and they have to be amazing. So I will codificate a fucking language, right? I will be like, okay, I don't have time to, 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 to explore all the time uh, new ways of ballet. Let's do a passe, a passe, and after a tete. Please, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Back in the day when we didn't have video to record uh, the movement, even like, <laughs> even when I was a kid, like my teacher would write down our dances like she would write them she would write the description she'd be like okay pirouette step step jeté yeah and like exactly like codification is just basically yeah it's code it's like what is a jeté it's a running leap with your legs like spread wide like so you just create these words that mean a collection of words and yeah there's many reasons why why we need to codify things you know you could say but when it comes down to it, I don't know. It's just a funny thing. And when it comes down to it, is are we equating codification with legitimization too? Because like everybody knows ballet is a really long established tradition, but so are a lot of other kinds of dance and they don't necessarily get the same kind of recognition. But hold on, let's mm -hmm. move past. Can we indulge me for a second and move from Louis the Fourteenth forward in time when little, like after they came from the the court dance tradition, um, it went in onto the proscenium stage because it was always being performed, but it was being performed for an audience then, and they called. The women, the girls, really, that performed the ballet, Les Petits Rats de l'Opéra, the little opera rats, <laughs> which, which was like intentionally derogatory because they were a lot of the time um, also sex workers. Oh, what the mm. fuck? Like, as a means of providing food for their family at like 12, 13 years old, you know? Oh, well, Different. Yeah. Brand. I mean, like, old, old I mean is it that different? I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, that's Yeah, true. that like that's what we always talk about Louis the Fourteenth, but who else should we be talking about in the history of ballet, you know? Yeah, I think so like of course we're ignoring a lot of uh, women in there. I mean basically I I don't know when in what point of the history it becomes a thing of a woman only, you know, like the 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 main planning is that much that we push away one activity they create for us. <laughs> we create it for us, and we just decide like, no, 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 that was too girly now. Like, when it was that point, right? So please illustrate us, Emma, when we're um, about this amazing. Well, history. I should. I mean, I feel like I should be citing an academic article here, <laughs> but that that is the point. I think that like when ballet became this ethereal 
feminine form, it was associated with selling women's bodies too at the exact same time. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah. It'll make sense. Yeah, it's like I could say that I did I I didn't know that as part of um maybe the way that like history has been written um but it's definitely not like I'm definitely not like whoa like 100% like yeah. the the like selling selling of sex and selling of women's bodies in general is 100% entwined into the fabric of the entertainment industries in general It was, it was not like, just dance, right? Like, we're, yeah. we don't really we don't think of it in bal in terms of ballet. I don't think, right? We think of like not today. Think of I ballet mean, as being very proper. Exactly today. I mean, but like I'm pretty sure that before, like doing ballet, it was something vulgar at the beginning. You know, it was like, oh my god, doing ballet. Like now the pole dancing. Yeah. But it's an amazing uh, discipline, and it's pretty hard to do. But we have thought the pole dance with the strip club, and it's like, okay, you're doing pole dance, you're with the... Hmm. Interesting yeah. that you mentioned that. I'm uh, wondering how the, the ballet uh, dancer, the ballet, first ballet was interpreted, right? Something vulgar, something that... Uh, my theory is this. Um, the people, the normal people, the people, the lower classes start to dance. Somebody from the higher classes watches and trying to imitate, imitate them. And they created the, the characters of dance, right? So that's how the ballet was created. From uh, yeah. one uh, from one high society people to trying to dance as a one lower classic. Interesting. So, <laughs> thank you so much. It's an interesting talk. Yo, you want to say something? Please, 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 please. Well, and then it went from the higher courts to working class people trying to make a living for their families on the stage again. Ironically. Although, I don't know, we could talk about who who gets the opportunity to dance these days. Yeah, I was I was I would like to to like get that path in this podcast. What you have uh, what did you contact today of a high dance? You know this dance that is presented on a stage and you have to pay a ticket for it and wait, where is what is your personal concept about uh, high dance? Mm. High dance is what you're saying, right? Yeah, high like Yeah, like elite like <laughs> elite, elite dance. Mm, I like that word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's all just interwoven with capitalism and um the when you go to see a dance show right like it's not just about what's on stage it's about who else is there it's about what big theater you're in and um you know generally speaking like to operate a big theater is expensive right so but then but then it's like is it though or does do we just not put enough like government resources towards it? Like it doesn't have to be yeah, that expensive. expensive. Yeah. It, like the ballet to go to the ballet doesn't have to be $200 a ticket, but we want it to be as a society. We, as a society, we want to like, I, 
as a capitalist society. We want to have things that are more expensive, like to strive towards and to be able to boast about and, and um, yeah, like something like that. I don't know because yeah, it's definitely our choice. Like we, we choose to make healthcare free, don't we? So it's, it's like a, it's a commodity as we said it's a capitalism thing um it, yeah i don't know and what if we could switch the mentality so that it wasn't like i can't wait to tell my friends i went to the ballet tonight but like i can't wait to talk about the art that i saw tonight right you know right yeah how many how many of us yeah, just in general, how do we talk about it afterwards? Or is it, yeah, just an event, just a form of entertainment? Ooh, like colors and lights and athleticism and sweet. Like I sit in a chair and I get entertained for two hours versus, yeah, yeah like how much are we actually appreciating it and, and talking about it afterwards and, and, and like, realizing that the people on stage are also humans and like appreciating their art like we just <laughs> we just kind of like clap we're like yeah like that was okay it wasn't my favorite thing like even i do it sometimes like i i get we get i get like snobby about it you know and it's like i don't know I, maybe we've just become probably just in general a bit too oversaturated with uh with entertainment and with various companies and marketing agencies trying to like grab our attention at all times and so yeah I don't know yeah uh, I do agree um, and I disagree <laughs> I do like uh, it have to be safe with two things right yes capitalism and also the conception of the people I mean because nowadays I think that we see theater and we see dance as a service instead of a you know, a service of entertainment instead of as a service of art. So we are it's like if we are trying to go to the restaurant, right? And we expect to be served and we, we expect to be served the, the, in the better way because we are paying for this. So we have to be we have to be the best. So for one yeah. part from one part is the conception of the the society that is not like allowing themselves to to have this thing called art and be like okay you know i will pay for your art because it will make me think and it will make me feel something and at the end of the night i will be different because i will be the guy who goes to the ballet and say oh and think like oh my god i don't know the crowd not uh, i don't know i don't know you know you can like think a lot of yeah. in different ballets and like that's the amazing part the, the, the first point of the art is like create discussions and create uh, more ideas and more art I, I think one of the first uh, objects is the art and, and emotion like um, ideas and intellectual stimulation of course but also emotion and even spirituality like we there and I don't want to leave that thread hanging alone because <laughs> because that's um, personally that's a big part of where I find 
holiness is in community and in dance when moving together. Um, which I've missed so much. There were some, like I actually, I'm thankful because there were some amazing, tiny jewels of moments this year when I was like, wow, I actually am really able to be on Zoom having this physical practice with people, even though we're all dancing alone together on Zoom. There were moments of, of really deep gratitude, and then it was also an incredibly lonely year too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that, uh, I don't know, the technology is not there still to create dance, like in distance uh, format. I think so. It will become some point when we have like virtual reality. We can just jump in into the virtual studio. It will be fucking amazing. It will be something fantastic. I'm like super excited for it. But uh, it's a lot of limitations with the Zoom because you have to think if you're lagging up other people and what kind of computer they have and like, a lot of things. So it's a uh, I don't know. I have my issues still with the, the Zoom uh, version of it. But I do agree. I mean the transmission of emotions we have to uh, have to make it right so, yeah it's pretty uh, well this, this, uh, this is becoming more a question for you guys that uh, a thought uh, you think that it is uh, necessary to have other people around to dance to create dance like I mean if you are like complete god and you are in the middle of nowhere and you decide to move one arm but nobody see you you're really dancing you know what I mean Yeah, like you were kind of, we were kind of alluding to that at the beginning of the conversation, like the performative aspect of it. Yeah. And my answer would be no. I don't think, I don't think um, there needs to be other people there. Um, I guess it depends on the concept, context that, that, we're talking about um yeah i don't know i don't know well we will uh, find out in a little bit more so guys let's just jump in into the next question uh okay now the olympics the olympics are coming and like the breaking dance is uh coming as sport something that i i am happy for it that at the same time i'm like okay i know what you're doing it and it's for money but i mean the the background of the the, the break dancing and the b-boy styles are uh, something pretty curious for me because of the history alexandre of the french <laughs> they they just jump into the street and as a way of uh, resolve conflict or avoid conflict between two gangs they decided to challenge each other to dance And they put a mixtape and they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the best in here. Have you moved? What do you have? And like, that's how the, the break dancing and the, uh, <laughs> the hip hop uh, burns, right? <laughs> so, um, I don't know. What do you think about the break dancing and the uh, hip hop going into the Olympics? Good idea? Bad idea? What do you think? You go ahead, Emma. Oh, uh, can you repeat the question? What do I think about hip hop dancing? 
Yeah. In films? Breakdancing. Brand breakdancing in the Olympics. Okay. <laughs> um, I was trying to figure out how to, how to turn the vibrating off on my phone. <laughs> I... Yeah, this is so interrelated with, like, the whole codification and, and judging of breakdancing because when there's a technique and somebody's winning, it changes the whole dynamic of the thing. I mean, like... Whatever the, it is, whether it's sport or art. But, like, the... the, the... The b-boys and stars like that, it was a battle from the beginning. It was have to have one winner and one loser. Like, that's the main point. Yeah, but... But... Were there judges at the beginning? Like, that's the, the question the I have. The people clapped and the people was like, Yeah, it was amazing! And like, whoever was in the... Or have been in a break bug uh, fighting... Can understand that it's a lot of uh, emotion in there. And it's like a lot of uh, energy and adrenaline in that moment. So it's pretty clear who wins and who doesn't win, and that doesn't happen in like the ballet, for example. That it's like, okay, we can but it, it right. happens. Totally. So I guess my question is, how do you judge that in the Olympics then? Well, to me, it's similar to uh, the most the, the most similar sport in the Olympics is is like a figure skating, right? Maybe a gymnastics floor routine because you have these routines where they're choreographed and there's a lot of like, like forgive, like know that this is not my opinion. Like I don't view the in between the trick stuff as filler, but that's the artistic side of it, right? Like that's the stuff that's like you have, you cannot have a two-minute routine that's just trick after trick after trick because A, then the audience gets a little bit bored because it's all the same thing. There's no build-up to the excitement. And B, it's pretty physically... Like that, hence why a floor routine in gymnastics is not just tumbling pass after tumbling pass. Like the gymnast needs a bit of a moment to, to like gear up again for that. Like that is like such a sudden burst of energy and athleticism. But that's what it boils, that's what the floor routine boils down to is like what element does the gymnast do in their tumbling routine? What is the hardest, right? Like they, I've actually been watching a little bit of the Olympic trials, like um, gymnastic trials on, on, on TV recently because the Olympics are coming. So they always have a, a difficulty number and then they have like their score that they get judged on so the difficulty determines very much determines the score um but you know you can have a high difficulty level but a low score if said person <laughs> fucks up their tricks and falls out of their tricks right like so it, like it's very mathematical there has to be something when it comes to an olympic sport there has to be something that can be measured otherwise mm. you know what i mean like there has to be like okay there has to be a list of criteria did they do you know in terms of figure skating did they do a quadruple rotation jump 
did they do a spin? Like there's like literally a list of elements that are required. And I don't think that's going to be the case with breakdancing. I, I really haven't looked into it at all. I think, I think it's great that, that breakdancing's in the Olympics. I think that it's because of a little small, you know, billion dollar corporation okay. called yeah. Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's what, who cares? Like, it's like, if, if that corporate money is going to go to support dancers is, and is going to give a lifelong career and other sponsorship deals to these dancers who have come up doing this as a hobby and like just training in the streets and not having their their art form and their skill looked on as a legit thing to do with their life like if that gives them that the way to do that i'm all for it um <laughs> to me the olympics are this day and age it's just all about it's just a tv spectacle like i mean most things on tv are like there's a certain there's a certain lack of integrity as soon as there's corporate sponsorship behind anything like it's just like things have to turn out a certain way like it has to be crowd pleasing like it has to be um impressive like i don't know um so yeah i think it's great that they're in there um certainly doesn't bother me i completely agree red bull is behind this <laughs> we have to have a conscious at least of the the reasons of what the things are happening right uh i like the conception of have a dance uh, way of form in the olympics because the olympics are huge and at the end the olympics is an emulation of war putting all the nations together to compete to each other to decide who is the best and what this is and like okay i prefer that than going to war so please do the olympics please do the emulation of war and just like let's work out that in a more um, healthy way right <laughs> uh so for sure yeah, I will say that I'm happy for it. Like uh, the thing that I'm scared for is like the that it will happen the kind of the same that happens to the ballet. Uh, as Emma says, the ballet starts to be something like lower class, and after it becomes something more high class, and it can happen as well with the with the break dancers. You know, like uh, actually nowadays taking hip hop or taking break dancers in a studio is kind of expensive, and mm-hmm. I mean every day is getting less and less the amount of b-boys uh, getting together to really just battling each other but it's just more spread away just hard to find right and well that has to be with how the amount of money that we pay for this that i understand that but yeah of course we have to make it rentable but like specifically i think so that it's a risk point it's a good publicity for the break dancing and the hip-hop nowadays with the with the olympics and i think so it will start a fever after this and everybody will uh, all the teenagers will be like yeah yeah yeah, i want to be like this athlete and make that jumps and how much i have to pay you to teach me that oh you have to pay me a lot <laughs> how much I, uh, I only have i want to do it in three days no you don't want to take it <laughs> you will take a lot no i don't have a lot i only have three days <laughs> I think so yep. that 
that, that can happen. I mean, that's the risk of uh, putting it in there. But like, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's a way to give it the the b-boys uh, credibility and a way to professional their art, which I love and which I like. So guys, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Uh, let's just jump into the hard part of the podcast. <laughs> what is you? What you can see? As contemporary dance. Oh. Mm. oh. <laughs> Who wanna go first? Go oh, first. I I always remember this story because I feel like in the in the general discourse, modern and contemporary are often thought of as the same kind of dance and they're really not um but I was at the club one time and somebody was like oh can you can you show us some show us some modern dance moves so I got on the floor of that club and I started doing great <laughs> and I was like on the floor Good coming up slowly and this guy was like oh my god <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> I, I scared them away, but um, but contemporary just means now. Like you can, I mean, if you if you take the word contemporary and use it as like you two are my contemporaries because we're collaborating and we're colleagues and we're friends. Um, But any and we dance... exist in the same time era. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. that is what contemporary dance is. But there's a an article that I have to read called "When Is Contemporary Dance," which is interesting. But I haven't read it yet, so I can't impart the knowledge on you. <laughs> well, but I, I really like the title. We share with us uh, that the article is pretty, pretty interesting. Kaylee. Yeah, I'll like spitball off what Emma's saying there a little bit more. So contemporary meaning current, meaning, you know, right now. And I think I think we can like mostly all come to, at least people who are in the dance world can come to a consensus on the difference between modern and contemporary dance. I think we're finally there. I yeah. think that the modern... I think that the modern era is, if we're talking very specifically, I think it is in the past. However, people will still refer to the time we're in as modern times, right? People will still say modern day. Like, it still means current in a very large look. Like, if I really take a big step back, right? Mm -hmm. um, contemporary has, like, I think the word contemporary has existed since all of modern time. Like, I don't know whether the word contemporary existed prior to the year 1800. I just don't, I don't think people had enough of a conception of like time at that time. Like, is that what it is? Like, I don't know to be, to be like, well, this is, this is contemporary time versus like, I just don't think the knowledge was as 
as widespread that time had existed for for so long. I just don't think people were educated enough to know beyond what was happening that day. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm completely naive in saying that, but um, I think we can finally agree that modern dance was a was a movement like in an era that was you know um very much uh in objection to ballet and then you know it came along and it brought on a bunch of like new ways of moving and thinking and ways of presenting movement and then we still practice it because it's still relevant in terms of like it's still just it's still super relevant it's still necessary to learn how to curve your body and to push into something versus always like elongating like it's it's a necessary aspect of of movement training um one might say others might say screw that like you don't like you know again another thing i think we've finally all come to terms with is this idea that like ballet is the basis of all dance forms right like <laughs> this thing that was like drilled into my head growing up and then you're like no no it's not <laughs> it's certainly not uh, there are many ways of moving and it's not all linear and like lifted like that um so yeah but the, to me the question is like so if if contemporary dance is like all dance that's like current is hip-hop dance contemporary dance too like does that fall under the same umbrella i think some people would argue yes and others just for the fact that most of the times contemporary dance per se, like, and I mean contemporary dance, not just contemporary art in general, but contemporary dance is so associated with ballet that I think a lot of people would say, no, it's not, like hip hop does not, hip hop dance does not belong under that umbrella. Yeah, I <laughs> Like, <laughs> you know? Here's the thing, like, when I say, people are like, oh, what kind of dance do you do? I'm like, well, it's a contemporary program up at York. <laughs> that mean then because the the required technique is modern dance based like we've trained in limon and a little bit of gram um but that's mod like it's not anyways yeah it's um it's an interesting question right because uh well, the mythology of the word uh, contemporary comes from the Latin contemporaneus, contemporalis, pardon. and uh, it, it started in the mid of the 17th century. I was just googling that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's interesting <laughs> that we have this conception for a while with us of what it is meant to be contemporary with, within our timing. So, I would mm-hmm. say that the hip hop and uh, the break dancers are contemporary the ways of dance but like for me the main point of uh, the difference between I, w- I want to bring this concept to the table I uh, stage dance and uh, yeah, stage dance so a uh, dance that is seen and 
prepared to be in an state, right? To be showing in an state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I think so. That's the the main point of what it is contemporary dance in terms of uh, um, our industry to be in an stage and to be in the theaters and to present in our theaters. Uh, but like, the thing is, when we create that as a creators, we are thinking in the fact that it will be presented in an stage. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty different to create uh, a piece that it will be presented in a in the street, and you have a lot of variations and you have a lot of interaction with the people and you really know what will happen instead of an, an, a controlled, totally controlled environment that is the theater when you have to go and pay and sit and you are pretty secure you have this amazing uh, light and this amazing sound system that allows you to create another experience for the for the viewer right so mm -hmm, I think so mm -hmm. that, that's the main point of uh, the break the b-boys and the break dancing doesn't really have that intention specifically the dancers the dancers have the intention to dance and to demonstrate that it's the most uh, the most flow the most fly the most uh, you know the most, uh, what is the name of this word style uh, yeah the other fly right? <laughs> that's the main point yeah yeah that and like the fact that they have to have a codificated language. Normally, the choreographers they will use uh, repetition, uh, repetition, repetition. So they will repeat what pattern. Like I will say, okay, this is my thing, and I will start this, doing this at the beginning of the piece. Like the people can see us, but uh, I'm lifting and going down my arm, so that uh, it starts mm -hmm. to mean something for the community that is watching. There. Oh, okay. I see that he saw that. Uh, that phrase before and you start to codificate it through the repetition of language and that for me that is what is contemporary dance today yeah mm -hmm. yep yeah i think that the yeah the codification is definitely a a big element of it mm -hmm. all right Oof. we almost get an hour of podcast guys thank you so much for coming here i will just make one little announcement remember that you can find us in our patreon as collective of the scenic exchange where in the patreon you can find exclusive content as our video dance called terracotta that is will it's a nice piece of dance if you want going to watch it just go to the patreon and um, starting to the second tier you can enjoy that beautiful piece of art Remember that uh, the Patreon helped us to create this amazing podcast called the Stretch Podcast, where the dancers stretch. And well, after this uh, little break, I would like to jump to the last question and just finish the, the podcast. Let's just jump into a little fall down to this amazing uh, topic because I do believe that we have we can keep talking about this forever, especially being dancers. Mm -hmm a lot of a lot of things mm -hmm. to talk so don't worry. Sure. we have more things to talk okay just the last question yeah guys what what you what is your opinion about tiktok do you think that is creating a good <laughs> a good opportunity for new generations to express themselves or i don't know it's, it's an interesting topic what do you think about the dancers in tiktok <laughs> they are contemporary actually though Um, I think that our 
world is like heading to a digital weird like augmented virtual reality and i don't like it <laughs> I'm not um, yeah um i think that uh, it's no i think it's detrimental to the human race <laughs> like that, 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 that will be you, your and final large, thought is like, TikTok is bad for the humans. TikTok is bad, but don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird, it's a really weird phenomenon. And I mean, like, that's me like thinking really far ahead and being like, I think that, I think that in general, I mean, I see it in myself. I see it in, in the amount that I sit in front of a screen and communicate with people versus the amount that I go out into the world and communicate face to face with people. And the scales have heavily, heavily tipped um, in the direction of, of digital, right? Like since, like if I think about from when I was a baby child up until now, like it's crazy, it's, it's, it's crazy. So why, why should I believe that that's gonna slow down. Why should I believe that that's all of a sudden like gonna change? You know, mm-hmm. I and I think that TikTok. I think it's it's. I think it's essentially this like digital drug. Like it's an addictive thing it is for people, good... and it's a way for people. Yeah, it's pretty well designed. Yeah. That application is like it's literally a drug. It's like oh, it's a beautiful thing, but pretty diabolical. <laughs> yeah. Is literally an addictive thing, and it's not the only social media platform though that's addicting, right? Like it's not. What's different about that than, than uh, Instagram? I mean, YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's the difference? I mean, with TikTok, you have the whole like dance craze, dance challenge, dan- TikTok dances phenomenon, and like I could also argue like, hey, if that's what gets you up off your butt and moving great if you're never gonna go to a dance class in your life because of the social aspect of it that's um you know to each his own and i mean i know even i after having been to thousands of dance classes even i get social anxiety about going to dance class so i can imagine someone who's never been to a dance class right So if that's what gets you up off your chair and standing on your feet, moving your body and making you feel good, like who am I to judge? Like I've, I've no issue then with that. I would, I would try to reach my hand through the screen and say, come with me. I'll bring you to a real dance class (laughs) so you can be with other humans and, you know, experience human connection. But (laughs) I don't know. Hmm. I, okay, I have a proposal. (laughs) What if, like, back in the day, folks were used to listening to a folk song, and, like, within the same region, this folk song spread, and different versions of it came up 
but it, it was all like recognizably the same song. Is a TikTok dance the same phenomenon just on a completely different scale? That's my question because like in a certain way, it's connecting people. Movement is still connecting people and credit is a whole other question and it can kind of get lost in both folk traditions and on social media but um yeah so now we're talking about we're, we're talking about like the credit aspect like who created what yeah but also like yeah. is i don't know where where was i going with, with this i was gonna make a really great point <laughs> no i see i see what you're saying like is it still yeah connecting people yeah in the same I, way that go ahead in the same way that like um, sharing a folk dance with someone down the road in the next village, <laughs> like, you know, is it still connecting people, but just on a different scale? I would say yes. Um, but I, st I, I still, I still think that ultimately, I don't know. I see it as like detrimental to the human race because if we don't if we don't learn to like work together and like get along and you need to you need to be in social settings with other people to learn to socialize and to get along with other people. Yeah. And I think if we don't have that cuz ultimately like everyone needs food. Everyone needs to go out of their apartment and go out into the world once in a while and get food. And so if those interactions with people are robotic and shut off and like headphones in staring at your phone just like i don't know what kind of world is that man like i just it's just i look around sometimes and i'm like <laughs> but then other times i'm like maybe i just need to run away from all the the people like maybe you know, the world is still a beautiful place. Um, you know, there's still beautiful trees and flowers and birds and streams and lakes and, and things like this. But when it comes down to it, we all still live on this planet and we all still are going to need to coexist. Um, so doing that through your phone is only going to get you so far. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe like with the whole thing of Uber Eats and everything, like you basically can exist in your apartment and never leave. Yeah, the like that's so basically that. possible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So maybe I'm completely wrong. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's different theories about like how will the future will look like. But uh, my opinion is like it's heading in that direction to more anthropic societies and more insulated uh, individuals that doesn't have the ability to really socialize uh, yeah. and yes I think so one of the most important parts that we didn't really talk in our podcast is that uh, dance is a pretty important uh, way of societies to uh, well, mingle, literally to go and mingle, to go and socialize to go and yeah, yeah. and be lucky I don't know uh, that's why the reggaeton works super well because the, the reggaeton is pretty basic the rhythm that like is involving the brain to think in a primitive way and move your hips and dance mm -hmm. and 
try to mingle. Mm-hmm. That's the main point of the, mm-hmm. the dance. I mean, the, the majority of the dancers have a relationship with the sexuality or with the fertility, right? Or with the night, or mm-hmm. it's a lot of uh, references. But like specifically talking about uh, the TikTok uh, phenomena, in the terms of the creativity, I do believe that it's a uh, wrong thing because that's true. If you have been in TikTok for a while, you can see that it's almost the same kind of dances. It's just one, exactly, it's just one choreography with a lot of different faces, right? It's the same choreography yeah. with the same song, just dancing with different uh, interpreters. Uh, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, my Do you think that's like lazy creativity? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, or originality, or yeah, how creative are you if you are just replicating something, right? I mean, but, but what about the different variations? I mean, yeah, if you do a variation, it's kind of okay because you are doing a variation and just trying to evolve. But it's still not precisely creative because you are copying something that you see. I mean, it's not that it comes directly to you and be like, oh, you know, I will make this and put this song and create this, and it will become viral, right? We have to understand mm-hmm. that the majority of uh, the objective of these dances is to become viral, to get attention, virtual attention to other people that have that uh, dopamine feeling of being like, yeah, yeah, 10,000 views, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's the main point of TikTok. So I don't believe that like recreating a variation of a little phrase or something is precisely creative. But I think so we have to have a podcast about creativity as well because it's a concept yeah. that, that I like and I don't know it's pretty interesting um, another day on the stretch podcast folks you heard it here first thank you so much Emma for <laughs> that announcement of course they will have another day with the stretch podcast and yeah that okay I do believe that TikTok is a great first experience for don- not, not dancers to get more involved in dance because there's a lot of dance mm-hmm. in there I and mean, you can watch a lot of types of dance and a lot of uh, different ways to dance and a lot of bodies doing different kinds of dance, which is amazing. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the thing is like, every day we are heading in a direction that our attention is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and so we, we, we look this kind of continent, right? That is like, Nowadays, it's one minute if I don't uh, say something wrong. You have one minute to to grab the attention of the people and keep it in there the most, as much as possible as creator. And that is not mm-hmm. easy. I mean, it's one minute and you have to say a lot of things. So it's just, uh, I don't know. I think so. The, the problem of TikTok is the, the amount of time that allows the user to be the creator to, to project, you know? Maybe if they have like an, a TikTok TV and you can put like longer videos or something, it will be more interesting for me, but I don't know. It, 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 guys, it's cocaine for your brain. It's literally cocaine for your brain. Yeah. I mean, you watch a video yeah. for 10 seconds, you don't like it, then you skip to the next video and you stay there for four hours trying to reach a video that you like. But it's only one minute. I mean, you're looking for a minute of your life. It, it's literally a line. Like what? Yeah, yeah. I don't use the app anymore. Like I, no. 
I can't, I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't, I did try it. I did try to make a few TikToks. Um, but I feel like I just maybe reached a capacity. Like I reached a limit in terms of how many apps I needed to learn how to use and to like put myself out there on. And to me, well, yeah, maybe I don't, I, I don't know if I see, I don't know if I see the potential with TikTok as much to reach real, um, maybe like reach real patrons or reach real people that I want to connect with. Um, because yeah, your video can go viral and, and, but like, it's like, what does that mean? Will any of those people ever like buy a ticket to your show? Will any of those people ever, I guess it's all about like how you market and how you, how you kind of jump platforms. And I don't know. Um, yeah, I get for mostly just like for me and like what I do, I don't see the benefit like in, in sort of like putting myself on that platform versus especially when Instagram came out with reels, right? Yeah. Like for me, it was just like, well, here we go. It's, it's all here. Like what's, why do I need to go on TikTok? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, well, so. yeah, I mean, I do agree with all that thing. Yeah. Don't do TikTok. Guys. Do other, other apps. <laughs> it's another option. The only thing that I uh, that I like about TikTok is the fact of uh, video editing. I mean, now you now that you can do that with pretty much any application, but TikTok uh, results pretty familiar and pretty use friendly user for video editing, and uh, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's a great thing for uh, people who are interested and involved with themselves in video editing and all that thing. It's a great tool. I mean, you can do a lot of things. And mm-hmm. for that part, I will say like, okay, if you're a video creator, that's a great tool to practice and to put yourself out there. The same, I mean, it depends pretty much of your product, depends pretty much of how you are putting your marketing out there. Maybe if you have like, a, I don't know, a class that is specifically for teenagers, and you know, like a lot of teenagers are watching stuff for hours and hours. So maybe that. But uh, Yeah, yeah maybe, yeah. That's marketing. <laughs> so, I For sure. In resume, in this question, I will say don't do TikTok. <laughs> That's my conclusion <laughs> for this question. <laughs> and, well, well, uh, I think it's time to go to the the, the the conclusion and just leave it right now like this. We have a couple of, uh, like an hour, 15 minutes. That's pretty okay. So let's just uh, wrap all these concepts that we have today, and let's go for the the conclusion, guys. What 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 you conclude? What is that for now for you? <laughs> okay, I will go. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I, I definitely think maybe some key things that I deduced from like this conversation might be just like the social aspect of dance and how, you know, and I think of how there is like an upswing of 
presence of regular people in dance classes in the last 10 to 15 years, right? Like, okay, maybe 30, 40 years, like going to, going to a beginner dance class is something that any adult can do and that many adults are doing. Um, and it's a good way to socialize and it's a good way to exercise and, um, yeah, I think we see, I think we see a lot of social constructs really, really present themselves in dance, as we were saying, um, in terms of like capitalism and elitism and what, like what gets put on big stages and who decides what gets put on a big stage, who's, who's at the helm, like who is curating these shows, um, and, yeah, like it's all it's all very woven into the fabric of just like what's going on in the world and I think that that's I think that's a, a cool thing and I think it's also it exposes a lot of the negative side of of human behavior too. So I definitely think it helps us I definitely think that it helps us learn a lot about ourselves when we move and, and like when we move with other people so yeah I mean that's what it is for me like it's it's not some like novelty <sighs> trick pony show for me it's very much woven into like everything that I do and you know I realized a long time ago but not that long ago, like I definitely realized in my adult life, you know, what kept bringing me back to dance. And it was those like life lessons, those like social lessons and just those analogies for real life that kept kind of showing up as I progressed through my, my learning and my practice. Um, and I think as long as those things do keep showing up, however far apart they might be, I might have to wait a little bit longer in between learning those things. Um, but I think as long as they keep showing up, like I'll keep coming back. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this stuff. Uh, Emma, what is your conclusion? Oh, that was so well put, Kylie. I don't have much more else to say because that was pretty good stuff um <laughs> thanks guys i think that there's this idea that dance is ethereal and it exists video dance aside like that dance in person exists and then it's gone but if we were all there we can hold that memory um and i think that dance is also ancestry and dance is can be colonial and dance can be decolonial and dance can be so many things if we let it dance can be peace or conflict um, but above all dance is people and that's the beauty of and the equalizing factor, the, the, ooh, people is the equalizing factor of dance. And that's the beauty and the love in it, I think. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Such a beautiful word, such a beautiful word. Thank you so much. 
And I do believe that the concepts that we have today are contemporary that this is including a lot of parts of movement support. We have to change that. We have to push more into the education system that we have today. So they teach us at least the history, if it's not the execution, at least the history of uh, other ways of death, right? Uh, yeah. I do, yeah. I do acknowledge the racism that exists and still exists in the, in the industry of contemporary dance. And, well, we have to change that as well. Well, but slowly, slowly we'll, we will do it. And, well, one thing that I like to say is that uh, dance, it's a way to be outside of your comfort zone. One thing that I didn't mention in the history at the beginning with uh, these two monkeys that they clapped in the little of rain is that everything, uh, all these uh, rains happened in a pretty, uh, pretty rainy summer, so it was pretty comfortable. They, these two monkeys there was pretty used to the rain, so they just experienced for curiosity other things. So they step out of their comfort zone to explore more possibilities and more than anything to share knowledge, connection, and uh, emotions. That's how I do believe that dance starts in a in a piece of uh, whiteness, in a piece of a uh, in a piece in a space, sorry, in a space of whiteness, in a space of a uh, comfort. But when it really starts, when you take out of that comfort zone and you explore other possibilities and other ways to reach Roma. <laughs> I was thinking it is funny. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, woo. you want to say something more? Um, not, I mean, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> such a that was such a nice conversation with the both of you. I, that was really great. It is. It is. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, just before we conclude this uh, this podcast, uh, guys, where we can find more about you guys, where we can find your uh, social media. You have some Instagram, you have some uh, projects going on, some classes that we have to take. Where we can find you guys? Well, you can find me mainly on Instagram. That's the platform that I use the most. I'm at Kylie Thompson Dance. And um, yeah, I post about the classes that I host on there as well as share co any company activity that might be going on. Um, I don't really have anything specific coming up in terms of events other than classes at the moment. Uh, which is fine. I'm kind of like swimming my way into post-pandemic dance landscape here in, in Toronto and and just kind of exploring new relationships and trying to get myself back out there and get into a flow of practicing again with other people, whether it's in class or whether it's, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. But uh Yeah, you can also check out um, my YouTube page if you look up Kylie Thompson Dance. There's a bunch of clips of my work on there and some other fun stuff, some vlogs, some workout videos that I made a bunch kind of during the pandemic. So 
There's some fun stuff on there too. Go there, go there, go there. Hayley Thompson dance. Go and hit the subscribe button. Yes. Yeah. We want to hit. We want to break <laughs> the algorithm, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend Kylie's workout videos. We uh we've been working out on gym this year, and I went in person last week, and it was fantastic. Fantastic. Whoa! Uh, Thanks so much. <laughs> welcome. You can find me also on Instagram at it's Emma So. That's my artist moniker, Emma So. Um, and I'm still studying, just trying to figure out who to be. But uh, you can find me on there doing music things and dance things and. Sometimes I do other things because I'm a, because I'm windy like that. <laughs> thank you so much for hearing that. Um, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, guys. Thank you so much for being here today. We are having uh, an amazing time. Uh, we take a break, sorry. We take a break for the Spanish podcast. But don't worry, we're coming back with more Spanish uh, transmissions and with more uh, more things to make. I hope so you enjoy the show and I will see you the next time. Don't worry and don't forget that you can find us in our Instagram as Collective of Aesthetic Exchange and Facebook as well as Collective of Aesthetic Exchange and Patreon as well at the same name and uh, YouTube. We are as Coast TV. So go and subscribe if you don't want to subscribe but don't subscribe we will be here anyway <laughs> and uh, I hope that you enjoy it remember that you can also uh, enjoy this podcast in your favorite application through Spotify, Google Podcast Apple Podcast I have to work out that how to put it in there but I will, I will put it in there Apple Podcast and other ways to podcast well guys thank you so much for coming here remember the next time I don't know what it will be, so hit the subscribe button and the notification button. Thank you so much for being here and 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 bye. This was the bye. Ah, sorry, sorry, bye, that's true. Thank you. That's true. Ah, ah, sorry. Este, you can find me in Instagram as Grillo Camacho. Is that? <laughs>